1: In this sermon, which is the last of three sermons preached by Elder Matt Sunstegard of Lindsay, California, back in 2018 at our annual meeting, we learn the rich truth that Christ has accomplished and applied our eternal salvation. Most churches give lip service to Christ having accomplished our salvation on the cross. But when it comes to the application of our salvation in the new birth, many times you'll hear them say there's something you have to do. In this message, Brother Matt makes it clear from Galatians chapter 6 that Christ has both accomplished our salvation on the cross and applied it to us in the new birth, solely and wholly of himself. I hope you'll join us today for this rich sermon about the one who has accomplished and applied our salvation. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. As I, As I try travel through this new world, and there is a friend who walks with.
0: The last verse of the song that we sang really is the focus of my mind this morning. Triumphant grace and man's free will shall not divide the throne. For man's a fallen sinner still, and Christ shall reign alone. Galatians chapter 6, if you turn with me. I'd like to start at the end of Galatians and just read, if you will, as I've been studying the book of Galatians, what I, what I see to be a, a summary statement of the lessons that he's teaching to the church at Galatia that I believe are, are very important and practical to us today. And we'll go ahead and start in verse 12 of Galatians chapter 6. And let's just start in 11. That's a better place. Verse 11. You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they might glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the whole world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ neither circumcision nor, availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace beyond them, and mercy upon the God of Israel. Here I believe we, we see a summary statement of what he's taught to the church at Galatia. And he says, as many as follow this rule, that walk according to this rule, peace beyond them, and mercy to the God of Israel. Amen. You know, when I came here this weekend... It was like going to church at home, in many regards. Amen. And there's some essential truths that I believe we have in common that, right. that we can rejoice in together Amen. about who our Savior is and what he has accomplished. Right. And he summarizes these these two ideas I'd like to look at this morning, that he says that our glory, that for God forbid that I should glory save in the cross. Right. Thinking back to what Brother Mason mentioned. I believe it's Friday night, but save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that has practical implications because he says, by whom the whole world is crucified unto me. Right. But then he also says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Amen. And if you will, he's focusing our mind on who has accomplished salvation and who has applied the salvation. Right. And I'll just give you the moral of the story. <laughs> it's only God Amen. who has done that work. Amen. Both the accomplishment of salvation upon the cross of Calvary and the application of salvation when we're born again is fully the work of God. And just to consider that for a few moments this morning and, and to refresh our minds in this wonderful truth and the confidence that it gives us both for eternity but also for time, yes. uh, I pray that you would you would just pray for the time we consider this theme. The book of Galatians is a harsh letter because it's written to a church who had, who had been, if you will, deceived by false teaching. Right. And you say, well, what's this circumcision business? And all that is was an outward sign for the Israelites that they were the people of God. It was a a symbolic sign. Mm -hmm. But there were those that came after the Apostle Paul who said, you know, this grace that the Apostle Paul has taught you is wonderful. But you also should do this Mm -hmm. to make sure Mm -hmm. that you could be confident that that you are the Lord's. Mm -hmm. That in addition to grace... It's that we're saved by grace, but. Yeah, right. <laughs> and men through different ages might put a different thing in that blank spot. Yes, that's right. right. We're saved by grace, but. Yeah. And anytime a condition is added, yeah. the condition is placed on us. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Whatever the condition is. And in this case, the condition was you're saved by grace, but you need to be <coughs> circumcised. Yeah. That's not what our conditions are we here in this modern day and age. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, you're saved by grace, but you need to believe, yeah. but you need to accept, right. yeah. but you need to remain faithful, but you need to be baptized, but you need to join the church. Whatever the condition is, yeah. Yeah. I believe at the root cause it's the same um, error. Amen. That you're saved by grace, yeah. but... And I love the point Brother Mike made yesterday from Romans chapter 8, when he said that if God is the, the sole worker in foreknowledge and the sole worker in glorification, then he's also the sole worker in the causing, in the calling and the justification. That's right. That both in the eternal salvation that was accomplished upon the cross and the application of that salvation, both are the works of the Lord. That's right. And we need to have to pray that we might maintain a clear understanding of that in our lives. Uh, in Galatians chapter 2, uh, Paul says in verse 21, uh, and I, this may not be wise, but we'll look at several portions uh, in the book of Galatians just to get an overview. And he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And when we look at this theme of both the accomplishment of salvation on the cross and the application of that in the new birth, it's totally of the Lord. And, and for whatever reason, it's on my mind to go backwards. So I, I'm a little backwards. I'm from California, so <laughs> y'all probably realize that by now. A little backwards. Um, let's look at the new creature first. Because I think that's where in our day and age, uh, the majority of the, the conflict comes in is right. is how do you become a child of God? That's right, right, right. We heard this weekend from Brother Mike that that's one of the ways is by adoption,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which there's a choice made by God. Yeah. But not only are we children by adoption, we're also children by birth. Mm-hmm. We've been born into his family. That's right. And all of the pictures that we have of the new birth in Scripture Focus on the fact and give us a picture that it's God alone that is operating. Mm-hmm. Whether it's adoption with the parents choosing the child. Right. Whether it's the new birth with being born into this world. Ask your mom, how much work did you do to be born into this world? It's solely the work of God. That's right. Amen. And in Galatians, we read this theme several places. And I want to just pick up on it. And some will will go to verse 26 in chapter 3. And I'm going to read this verse, and then we're going to circle back to it. And this is after him explaining, as we mentioned yesterday, that the law was never meant to make us righteous. You know, when you read the law, do you become convicted that you haven't measured up? Because it's our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might understand that we're sinners. Now, if the law's purpose is to teach us that we're sinners... What does it tell God about us? If it doesn't even justify ourselves in our own minds that we're righteous before God, how can the law or a principle of law justify it to the most holy and righteous God of heaven? Right. If it can't even convince me that I'm righteous before God, right. it surely is not going to convince the all-seeing, all-knowing God of heaven right. that right. I'm righteous. Right. Then he says that for in verse 26, after saying that... Um, that the law doesn't cause us to understand that we're righteous, but rather that we're unrighteous. He says, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if we just pull that verse um, out, I believe we're, we're missing the lesson that the Apostle Paul is teaching in this context, um, but that's where a lot of the, this of our brothers and sisters in Christ get stuck on, that through faith we become a child of God. But this Process is explained to an extent in Galatians chapter in Galatians that I'd like us to look at this morning. First of all, if you read just a little bit further down, it says, but when the fullness, this is in chapter four and verse four, that we were children, that when we were children were in bondage under the elements of the world, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons that we heard about this weekend. And then he says, and because ye are sons, because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, because you are sons, God sends forth the spirit of His Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Right. That means that we are God's children before we're born again. Right. Before we have His nature, yeah. in His mind and in His eye, we were always yeah. and have always been His children. Amen. Yeah. Isn't that amazing to think about? Yeah. That when all we had was the nature of Adam, He still looked at us and said, That's my child. Mm. And then in His mercy, He sends His Spirit and vitally quickens us and makes us alive in Christ Jesus. Mm. You know, that's the other picture of the new birth is that of resurrection. When He speaks and we live. In Galatians, He focuses on the picture of creation. Someone made a comment this week that... about that other scientist, the name not coming to mind, and you know we're not about him today, then we're out, Jesus Christ. Right, so right, let's focus on what he did. Um, but the fact that Christ created this entire universe out of nothing. He didn't just take something and make it wonderful. But he took nothing and created the universe in which we live. And in Galatians 6, he says that it's not about whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised. It's not about what you do, you've done, but it's about what Christ has done in creation. That mm-hmm. the same principle of creation, that as the universe was created from nothing, yet now it exists. You know, our new birth's the same way. That's right. There was nothing. Amen. There was no spark of spiritual life within us. Right. Yet God created that life where there was nothing. And he says that you are a new creature created in Christ Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, Paul puts it this way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of who? 50% God and 50% you. 99% God and 1% you. But all things are of God. The entirety of that work of creation is of God. Now that makes me happy. Because when I even build something, I'm not a builder. And it falls apart really quickly. But even the best builders of our day and age, someday those monuments and those buildings will wax old and decay. That's right. Yeah. But our creator of the universe that sustains this universe by the power of his word will sustain his creation that is within you. Because he is the sole creator of that. And he says that, because we are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, therefore we're no more servants but sons, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But what about that verse that says, for ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus? Well, he also teaches another principle in Galatians of where faith comes from. At the, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, he says that the fruit, first he goes through the works of the flesh. And you know... While all things are new, our entire existence has changed. When we're given that new creation, we still maintain some baggage from the old nature. And you know, that's why it's an act of faith to believe that you're a child of God. That's why you have to believe it by faith and not through the works of the law. Because if I look at my works, I'm going to question, am I really a child of God? But if I look by faith and realize that God has created that within me, and that's a creation, I can believe His work by faith. And he talks about the works of the flesh, but then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, listen to this one, faith. The fruit of the Spirit is faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, folks, where where I'm from, I'm sure you've heard about it, but uh, there's a lot of trees. And in our area, the majority are orange trees and olive trees. Uh, used to be a lot more olive trees, but now it's primarily oranges. And then you all have those little cutie tangerines. I don't know. It might come up from Florida. We're so far east this way. But in our area, we have the little trees like that with the little tiny oranges. But the principle of bearing fruit is that from an orange tree, you only get an orange. From an olive tree, you only get olives. That's right. But what comes fruit first? The fruit of the tree. It's like the old story, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Christianity has an answer to that. That's right. That's right. Amen. God created chickens, that's right. and then chickens had eggs. And guess yeah. what was inside those eggs? More chickens. Right. Yeah. You know, that's simple, Amen. <laughs> and it takes the wisdom yeah. and the foolishness of this world to, to confuse that. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: It's the same thing in, spirit, in, in spiritual life as it is in natural. Yeah. Right. We bear the fruit of the Spirit because we have the Spirit within us. So before we can have faith, we must have the Spirit. And why do we have the Spirit? Because we are the children of God and God has sent forth His Spirit into our hearts, which enables us to have faith, which enables us to see that we are the children of God. So you see, by faith... For you are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. How do you this morning understand that you are a child of the creator of this universe? You're going to have to believe it.
1: That's right. That's
0: right. You're going to have to read God's word, hear the preach word and believe it, feel that conviction in your heart that spirit speaking and crying forth, "Abba, Father." Right. Otherwise, I have no right or claim to say that I'm a child <laughs> of the creator and God of this universe. Amen. And so the creation, this new creature that we're blessed to have in our nature, is solely a work of God. Mm-hmm. Then I want us to back up and, and speak of, of the other portion of this. And so if you will, that's the application of the work of what Jesus did upon the cross. And Paul says, but God forbid that, back to ver- or chapter 6 and verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the whole world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything but but a new creature. He says, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I like what was mentioned this weekend that there's no power in the wood right. of the cross. Right. You know, some will say throughout history, well, I've got a piece of the wood of the cross. You know, and when I studied that in, in history back in college, they ended up with so many pieces of the cross that they could probably make a hundred different crosses.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's not in the wood of the cross, but it's in what occurred at the cross. Amen. I believe it's a noble idea to want to help the Lord. And I believe we're supposed to labor in his kingdom. But when you look at the scene of the cross, it narrows your focus. Approaching the cross and before the cross, there were disciples that followed after Christ. Mm -hmm. He sometimes was among the multitude. But as you go towards the cross, what you see is not those that run to him but those that run from him. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: And your vision becomes focused on one man. Yeah. You say, but there were three crosses. Well, for a while you're interested in the other thieves on the cross. But by the end of that scene, your mind is fixed on one person, yeah. our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah.
0: That's good. When we think of this, he says, That there should be no glorying outside of what was accomplished in our eternal salvation upon the cross when Jesus hung there. And, you know, this is a theme that I feel so inadequate to speak on. Because I don't even know what all occurred upon the cross. We know that the lights were turned out for a while on the cross. But we know that what occurred on the cross made all the difference for you and for me. Amen. That it took us out of the standing of being God's enemies yeah. to being his righteous and holy children. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this issue of, of how folks are saved was addressed in the book of Acts. That they met together about this issue because there were some that were saying that you need to be circumcised. And they met together about this issue in Jerusalem. And I'm just going to cut to the chase here. I don't want to take time from Brother Mike this morning. But they, if you will, I think they pinned down one of the first articles of faith about this issue. How are folks saved? He says, now, therefore, why tempt ye God? This is Acts 15, verse 10. And put a yoke upon their neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. And he says, but we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved, speaking of the Jewish nations, even as they, the Gentile nations. Mm-hmm. That those were, who are were circumcised were saved the same way as those who were uncircumcised. Yeah, right. Now this would have been the perfect place to say that we believe that they will be saved through faith or through accepting the Lord. But he says that we believe that they will be saved through grace Amen. in the same way that we are saved. Yes. And grace is the work of God. That's right. Solely the work of God. And they come and they settle this issue. And I pray that the Lord's people might be settled on this issue today. Amen. That no matter what your background is, the way that you are saved eternally is the same.
2: That's right.
0: For the person who's heard the gospel and the person who hasn't heard the gospel. That's right the person who knows the name of Jesus and the person who doesn't know the name of Jesus. Right. It is a creation of God. It is the work of God upon the cross Amen. of Calvary that has saved us. It yeah. is the unmerited favor and grace of God by which we are saved. Yes. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, they shall be saved. We shall be saved even as they. And what that's saying is that our salvation is no more sure than their salvation, but we're going to be saved the same way and our hopes the same right. as theirs. Amen. And when we get to the the cross of Calvary, we see a great work that that is done upon the cross. And as I mentioned, you see the focus going just to one man as you look to the cross. And that is a theme throughout Scripture. Um, And it was also brought up in the conversation uh, between Peter, whom I love, and the Lord. And Peter brought this up to the Lord in Matthew chapter 16. As Jesus began to speak about him going to the cross, and he says in Matthew 16 verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him, and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, that, it shall not, that this shall not be unto thee. You know, I can relate with Peter. Peter loved his Lord. He didn't want to see him suffer. But Jesus turned and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Jesus is saying, I'm going to the cross. And this isn't your place to help me. Right. I'm going to accomplish this alone. Amen. I love the verse in Isaiah that says that he has trodden the winepress alone. There was one that was working upon the cross. God was in his son reconciling his people back to him. And You see that as he goes to the cross, despite Peter's best intentions, we know that he denied the Lord three times. And you see him go to the cross alone. You know, his disciples couldn't even stay awake in the Garden of Gethsemane. But they fell asleep at that point. But Christ went to the cross alone. There's a verse, and as we're thinking about the communion service this morning, there's a verse that says that Christ is our Passover. When you look at the scene of the Passover, uh, it's such a beautiful picture of what Christ did. As they take a lamb for a family, and that lamb is sacrificed for the family, and then the blood is applied to the doorpost of that house, And then you see that the angel of the Lord passes over in judgment and that judgment isn't placed upon that house. And sometimes that picture is 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 spoken of this way, that Christ died upon the cross. And if you look at how they would have roasted that that lamb, it was upon a cross It was upon a wooden cross. Christ died upon the cross, but you need to apply the blood to your hearts. Well, I love that statement that Christ is our Passover. Amen. From the beginning of the Passover to the Amen. end of the Passover, right. it is a picture of Christ. Right. Yeah. Amen. You see, even the gathering of the family within the house to make sure that they're all accounted for yeah. is what Christ does. Right. Even the sacrifice that's made when the lamb is killed is a picture of Christ. And I submit to you that, the, the, if you will, the priestly off, uh, office of the father the family in applying the blood upon the doorpost, that also is a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. From the beginning to the end of the Passover service, both the sacrifice that was made and also the application of that sacrifice is a picture of Jesus Christ. And that's, uh, if you will, that's what's upon my heart this morning. And sometimes it doesn't come out just the way you want it to. And it's not as glorious as it truly is, brethren. But God forbid that we should glory. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom the whole world is crucified unto me. What's more important than that? And I unto the world, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. You know the problem? There's a couple problems with the law. The law teaches us for sinners. Another problem with the law is, even when we try to fulfill whatever the requirement is, you know it says in another place, and I meant to go to this verse earlier, and I'll I'll close with this thought, because I think it's a a powerful thought for us to consider this morning. In Galatians it says that if there could have been in verse twenty-one of chapter three, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law which could have given life, if there were any requirement that God could have given for us to obtain eternal life, verily righteousness should have been by that law. That's right. If that was a possibility, yeah. God would have done it that right. way.
1: Right.
0: Right. The implication was, as it wasn't a possibility.
1: Right. Right. Yep.
0: One of the other problems with trying to fulfill a requirement to be in good standing with God is in the back of the, your mind, you're always questioning, Amen. did I fulfill it? Amen. See, every good work that I even try to do in this life is weaved together with sin. Right. right, Coming out to this meeting, I did really struggle with my own sin.
1: Amen, brother.
0: Coming to church this morning. And in the back of your mind, there's always a the question. Am I saved? Did I believe truly? Did I accept fully? Take your eyes off of that question and look at the cross. Amen. Because there is a definite answer Amen. to what occurred at the cross. Amen. There's no lingering questions right. about whether we're saved.
2: Amen.
0: Jesus Christ himself declared upon the cross, it is finished. No questions. He bowed his head, gave up the ghost, and his spirit went to God the Father. But even if you're still wondering, it says that he was raised again for our justification. That's right. Death had no hold on him for he was holy and righteous and accomplished the putting away of the sins of his people. And when he rose again, it was a declaration that we have a righteous standing before God. Mm -hmm. And that gospel comes with much assurance into our hearts. We're no longer questioning, but we are rejoicing in the finished work of God upon the cross and his creation within our hearts. I appreciate your kind attention and thank the Lord for the ability and opportunity to worship with you all. Thank you for joining us
1: today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace.